Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, I can't wait to introduce you guys to our guests this week. This week, we have Ryan Raw Miller on the podcast. I just met Ryan for the first time about a week and a half ago, uh, have known of him and what we're about to talk about today um, for quite some time. So it was really exciting for me to not only meet him, but also have him guide me fly fishing up in Northeast Iowa as well. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so excited. Love talking fly fishing on the podcast. Uh, a lot of the listeners have, you know, if they've been here since the beginning, have definitely followed me on my journey of learning to fly fish. We've had a couple different, um, like passionate fly anglers, and also a couple guides on here as well. And every time I learn a little bit more, get a little bit better. And it's always like an awesome topic on this podcast. So I'm super excited to talk about everything that we were going to discuss today. Uh, could you just introduce yourself to the guests a little bit? Tell us a little bit, a bit about where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I live in Charles City, Iowa. I grew up in Iowa Falls. Um, my uh my dad worked at the college there my mom was a teacher and um so when i went off to uh when i went off to college the last thing i wanted to be was a teacher actually at the time um but after some trial and error and everything it it seemed um kind of things kind of opened up and it kind of dawned on me that this would be a good fit so i um <clears throat> i teach uh i teach eighth grade social studies here and um and I also coach uh, cross country and track. And um, my wife is a eighth grade 
science teacher here. And so we get to teach together and then we also coach together. And uh, we've got two kids, um, a two-year-old and a seven-year-old that uh, that go along on all of our adventures. Uh, about oh, 10, 11 years ago, uh, a friend of mine and I, we, uh, we decided to get into, uh, into guiding uh, fly fishing. And it was something that we um, we've done for a long time. I, I probably have the same story as a lot of people that um, I started fishing a long time ago with my grandpa. He had a, <clears throat> he gave me a, a fly rod that he had in his garage that had dust all over it. He probably got it at a garage sale for like five bucks and didn't know anything, you know, to do with. And he lived up in Northeast Iowa. And so um, that kind of turned into experimenting with that. And I put it away for a while uh, when I headed to college and then got it back out. And really, uh, it, it just, it fits me and my personality and who I am. And um, my wife really got into it. My son fly fishes. And so um, when we created Driftless on the Fly about 10, 11 years ago, it just seemed like a really good fit to be able to share um, some of our, some of our, um, our passion. And so um, it's been an amazing journey that way. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point, but um, yeah, I uh, live in Charles City and uh, love getting to work with kids and love getting to uh, work with people um, as a guide too. I am not surprised at all that you're a teacher, actually, because, you know, the ladies that I went with, a couple of us knew each other. We all knew someone in this group that went, uh, but some of us were complete strangers before this trip. And we talked a bunch about uh, you and your teaching style and Clint, one of your guides that also was out there this past weekend, Northeast Iowa. And we just really enjoyed uh, both of you and your personalities and the way you taught and both were actually, you know, kind of different. But what was really great about both of you, you really kind of let me do my thing. Like once you saw that I had the basics down, you just let me do what I thought I should do and then commented on what I was doing right, uh, which I really valued and enjoyed because for me, you were both making small tweaks and things I needed to do or just giving me advice, but you were never um, it wasn't like one of those teaching moments of like, no, 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 you don't, you're not doing this correctly. You were highlighting all the areas that I was doing well. And that was really encouraging for me. Cause then I'm like, okay, if I can keep working on what I'm doing well, I can keep, I can keep improving upon that. And that's how it felt for me and my experience with you. So it's not surprising that you teach, uh, cause I think we all had a very positive experience. And so thank you for that. Cause that's, yeah that was really, it meant a lot to all of us. And we had a great time. And you mentioned your wife. So working with her in school and coaching with her and raising a family, but you also guide with her too sometimes, right? Yeah. She, um, she's, her, her role has changed a little bit with, with Driffles on the fly. Um, but she can step in like at any point and, and uh, pick up when we have some larger groups, like we considered with, uh, for with your group, for instance, um, she's been an absolute asset, and the woman is a stick, meaning that she's really good. She's an incredible caster. Um, uh, we've had some just terrific um, adventures across the United States now, kind of following Jared, our um, my co-owner, around, and um, we just got back from Hayward, actually, where he's guiding now, and and uh, 
Um, she threw some absolute bombs and was casting all day. And <clears throat> so, yeah, she'll, she'll step in on some bigger trips sometimes. And um, she's a great guide and does a really great job. Patient, patient woman. She puts up with me a lot. So, <laughs> um, yeah, she's, she's, she's terrific. So yeah, it's a really good for anybody with her too. Yeah, that's awesome. No, yeah. I had heard, I, I mentioned this to you when we met that I, I had um, actually, cause I had reached out about a female guide of yours years ago, like before I even got into fly fishing, when I knew, when I knew that I wanted to, um, but just wasn't really sure where to go. And, yep. you know, my story is kind of similar. I don't even know if I've talked about this on the podcast or not, but um, a, a family friend uh, kind of through my, like I was married previously. So you're my ex-husband, a family friend, uh, was a professional walleye fisherman and he just loved to fish in general and at the time he knew and the family knew that I was like showing interest in fly fishing and uh, no one around me was really doing that you know I grew up hunting and fishing outdoor outdoorsy stuff my whole life but fly, fly fishing was like not I don't even remember it really brought up much uh hmm. besides um gosh um, why can't I like the, like, uh, water, like the movie, like the famous movie river runs through it, river runs through it. Yeah. Uh, besides that, that was like, not in my wheelhouse of anything. And as I got older and, you know, um, mentioned, I'm like, I really think I would like that. This family member passed away and he had a bunch of fly rods and the family didn't know anybody else that was interested in fly fishing. And so I kind of adopted these very nice fly rods and just had no idea uh, what I was doing with them, but it was very encouraging. And a few years ago, I went to my first fly fishing, like clinic for uh, like four days out in Ohio, learned the basics, learned how to cast and different knots and all this stuff and learned really fast. It was a ton of fun, but I just kind of didn't keep doing it. Cause I do a million other things. And, yep. uh, but I loved it. Like I truly loved it. I think I prefer it to most types of fishing, honestly. Um, I just am not as familiar with it. And when you don't have anyone to do it with to kind of like right. check you and that sort yep. of thing, it just fell to the side, but I was really, um, I have all my fly fishing gear out now and I'm like going through stuff and wanting to like keep at it because I, I just <laughs> thoroughly love it every single time I go out. Uh, so I, yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have those people around you too, that can kind of keep you motivated. And that's, I think that's where we've been lucky with our whole circle of friends uh, and family. Um, I mean, the fact that Amanda and I fished with Jared and now that's spread to, that reinvigorated something in, in Clint, I think, cause he had, um, he had gone to school out in Wyoming and he came back and we kind of discovered each other now just kind of by chance. Now his wife fly fishes and, my brother does and then some of our other planning crew that we do the driftless flyathlon with they do um we really you know it, it keeps it keeps you going because you, you share ideas and techniques and tips and and strategies and da, 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 da. Um, but i think it's also something that um has brought us all closer together we have annual trips that we do like we take one we we always go steelhead fishing this has been a tradition now going on uh, 12 years we go up to the Duluth area and we just it's something we look forward to every single year um, and now it's like it's just part of our family um, so yeah it's it's really nice to have that kind of that closeness and that that connection that we all of us have yeah that's really awesome I 
as I, over the last like couple of years, I, um, I really want to learn fly fishing also from a solo perspective. Like I wanted to go do it by myself. Like I want to be able to just, you know, instead of like maybe going to the gym, which I probably should be doing, I might just like in the middle of the day, like go hit a stream or something on my own. Like I really want to be able to do that wherever I go, um, be able to kind of read the water, what insects are, you know, the fish are biting for, like all of that stuff. I think that's all awesome, but it has helped me a lot where I think it's changed for me, where I want to take it more seriously is be from the podcast, um, from teaching myself, like in other areas of the outdoors, from just like educating and putting myself out there. I have friends all over the U S that I can go fly fishing with, like let alone Iowa. Um, so now I have like a community of people. And so it does like motivate me quite a bit more to just have people I can, you know, some of them have been doing it a while and some of them are pretty new, like myself. Uh, but it does help tremendously to have those people just to motivate you and possibly plan a trip or two with. Well, it's nice, you know, yeah, it's nice to have all those people, with those common interests. And I think you can gain something from somebody that's had a lot of experience on the stream. And then you can gain somebody, you know, something from somebody who hasn't too, because you kind of look at them through a different lens and be like, oh, did I do that? You know, when I, when I first started, or you can lend them a hand and then vice versa from this, you know, somebody that has more experience, you know, kind of going back to, you know, to the, the, the trip that we took, one of our goals is to make people, you know, independent anglers. You don't want to go on a trip with me every single week or, you know, once every three weeks, something like that. Like the idea is that this is something that, um, you know, like I was talking about, we, we enjoy now as it's part of our life. And, um, if I was hovering over you every single moment of that trip, then you wouldn't, you know, start to feel comfortable in, you know, finding spots that might hold fish or being able to eventually, you know, tie knots and put together rigs and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the idea behind some of that philosophy, um, too, when, when we guide. Yeah, no, I totally relate to that. And, you know, I, not fishing related, but when it comes to hunting and archery, that's kind of how I teach. And sometimes, especially when I'm teaching, I teach a lot of, you know, women's women one-on-one and women's workshops and stuff. And usually I'm right there with them for the first, like maybe, I don't know, third of the day or time that we're together. And then I'm like right by their side. And then from there, I'm I'm with the group, I'm standing back, I'm letting them do their own thing. And it's still for me sometimes surprises me when, you know, I was there, I was there to teach and support. And I, and I know that, but sometimes these folks that I've helped teach, they absolutely flourish and are doing more badass things than I'm even doing. And they still, at the end of the day, sometimes will like credit me. And I'm like, I don't know, like (laughs) I was there as like your support. And I, I definitely always will be. And I love teaching. But I feel like sometimes, and not, I'm not in any way taking anything away from anything you guys did, but as a, like a teacher instructor, it's really cool to just be a little part of that. And then when they give you all that kudos, you're like, I don't know, like you were so much a part of your own success and just, you just were that extra support for them, like standing next to them. I think that's from my side, that that's a cool part of instructing people, you know? Well, and you know that, you know, one thing like failure is important you know like and everybody does like especially their first some trips out and I'm sure you've experienced that too with with hunting and shooting it's like uh you got to let people kind of 
screw up in a way yeah. too. And, and they, they learn from that. And I think the other thing is too, you know, um, we talked about this. I talked to this with several of the members of the group that you're with is just that passion based. It's like, you wouldn't come out here anyways, if you didn't feel strongly about learning how to fly fish too. And you just yes. love to yeah. have, you know, people that you go out with. We have some clients that have come back to us year after year after year. One of my favorites was this uh, uh, pair of guys. I haven't seen them for a couple of years now, but they were literally uh, on their way through Iowa. He gave me a call and said, Hey, three days from now, you got a, you got an opportunity to take us out. And I said, yeah. And so we did. And, and that was their very first time fly fishing ever. And now I watch them on social media and it, they're, they're, both of them are retired and they're just the most fun guys ever. And they have just built like levels now, like <laughs> now they're in Alaska and Montana and smallmouth fishing and musky fishing. And it's like, it's kind of fun in a way to like trace, think back, like, yeah, they, they made the choice to come out and, and to fly fish and to do a guide trip. And, and now it's gone, you know, epic places for them. And it's, that's really fun. That's, that's really rewarding stuff. Yeah. I I've definitely learned a lot just in the last couple of years of, from the teaching and guiding side, you know, they're not, you know, they're kind of one and the same, but there, there's some differences there too, I guess. Uh, but definitely something, you know, when I was younger, <clears throat> when I was a teenager into my early twenties, I really wanted to be a guide, uh, hunting guide preferably you know mm -hmm. and I just didn't I just didn't go after it I didn't do it I didn't really try to put myself in that situation because there was a lot of there was people who told me that I shouldn't you know being a young female there was a lot of that um and also I don't even taking the female and the young part out I think a lot of people just think that's scary and they wouldn't do it so they kind of you know maybe project that onto you a little bit or to another person and I definitely let that get in my head until I got to be 30 and then realized, no, I still, I still want to do this and I still want to teach and I still want to be a part of that with people. Um, and realizing that, yes, you have to know what you're talking about. Absolutely. And have experience in what you're, in what you're doing. Um, but it's like, you don't have to be like this perfect machine either. Um, that's not really what people need or are looking for yeah. maybe some people, but pretty, pretty much not. Yeah. Um, so that's just, cool and the more guides I know like all types uh, you know I get that from them like they're obviously very good at what they do uh, but rarely are you getting into your your uh you're deep into your book of expertise with people right like you're just helping them kind of get started in a lot of ways yeah um I, and I think there's there's a lot of intersections there between teaching and guiding uh, you know quite a few sometimes in both it's kind of learning or knowing when learning when to kind of stand back and just shut up and just you know let let either the success or the failure happen and and um that that's a skill in itself is uh, that i haven't totally mastered by any means um and then i you know i think too like i guide in iowa and i kind of guide part-time i mean I'm, i i do a lot of trips in the summer here i've you know i've got my buddy jared that's running gun like all the time and he's and he does this six of the seven days a week or seven of the seven days a week and um you know that's a whole other level too i mean he's like the full time this is what he does for a living and um uh, i've i've been absolutely blessed to have him in my life too because i learn a lot of like well this will make your life easier <laughs> you know just even for for the trips that we do so 
Yeah. Um, yeah. All those connections are super important and, and uh, learn a lot, learn all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to make sure I, I, in no way um, I'm not, I'm saying that you're not an expert. Cause I, to, to me, you definitely are. <laughs> and I had, we had, uh, I mean, first class experience with you and Clint both. So okay. um, yeah, absolutely. Fun. You guys were a fun group to have out too. So it's nice to have uh, uh, people out with you that want to learn and want to be successful, but also want to just go out and they, you know, take it for what it is. It wasn't an epic day of fishing by any means, yeah. but there was a lot of like foundational building blocks. I just like some of the comments from, from some of your group members, like, show me how to do that. Like, awesome. That's, that's totally half the battle right there. So yeah, we don't take things very seriously and we definitely weren't that weekend. <laughs> like we would have, <laughs> we were just, we wanted just you guys and your knowledge and just like help us be better. Right. I think all of us went there with like a very open mind of we just want to be decent at this, (laughs) you know, or to be proficient. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, so, so with, okay. So when I got exposed to fly fishing, I remember people talking about, so the area you're in, in, and if people are listening, I have people from all over the country that listen to this podcast, they, and even the ones in Iowa, I don't know if they know how special Northeast Iowa is. Mm-hmm. Uh, how special the driftless area is, what the driftless area even is, uh, you know, with, with you guys being kind of right there, kind of, and I mean, kind of in the heart of that. Uh, can you talk a little on that? Like what is special about Northeast Iowa, a little bit about the driftless area and driftless on the fly, you know, why, why you guys are there? Yeah. Um, it is a really special area that I, I feel like a lot of people don't know about. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I'm not a scientist or a geologist or anything. Um, from, my, from my understanding, when that term driftless, this was the area that um, I'll simplify this. So scientists that are listening, you can check me. But um, it, it essentially was the, the part of Part of the country that the um, the um, the last ice age didn't crush, um, and so or flatten out, and so you have these you know, these different parts, these different geographic parts of Iowa, and so this this unique region of northeast Iowa and southwest uh, Wisconsin and southeast Minnesota and northwest. Let's see if I can get all those right. Uh, <laughs> Illinois, we're uh, um, largely untouched and so you end up with this really unique type of topography called karst topography which has um, um, springs that pop up out of nowhere you have sinkholes you have caves you have um, towering bluffs Uh, it's it's absolutely remarkable Um, and because of some of those natural that that cold water springs that come up then you get you get trout Uh, trout want trout will survive in this 52 to 56 degree um, water that's spring fed and is full is, you know, filled with uh, wonderful aquatic insects and um, great water quality and which, you know, there are threats too, of course, but um, it's, it's a really unique part of the country. And I think, I think people are starting, starting to become aware of it, but we've guided people that have come up from, you know, other parts of Iowa, Southwest Iowa, uh, other parts of the country. I'll come to Northeast Iowa and say, I, I've lived here all my life. I never had any idea that 
Iowa could look like this. Um, and so that, that's really fun to like, to show, you know, to showcase and show it off. Um, yeah. And so Driftless on the fly, we, we, uh, we uh, kind of took advantage of that, I guess, the fact that we've got these wonderful fisheries um, in, in the state. You can just absolutely get lost for a day up here. And um, I think there's over 50 streams now that have uh, you know, naturally reproducing trout and um, um, some wonderful resources and, and, uh, and you can go almost any direction up there and you can, you can just pick apart streams and have the day to yourself really. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a wonderful resource that we've gotten and um, it's been fun getting to, to uh, share that with other people too. Yeah, I would echo everything you said. I, I really didn't know Northeast Iowa except for maybe the last five years of my life probably. Now I've been up there a lot for a lot of different things for hunting and fishing both. Uh, it's in vacation. It's just like very pretty up there. And I think Iowa is a beautiful state. Um, anyway, like I, I appreciate Iowa for uh, it's rolling hills and everything that it, everything that it is already. But then when you go up to Northeast Iowa, it's just, I've told people who grew up there and lived there their whole lives. Uh, I hope you're not disappointed if you move anywhere else in Iowa, because <laughs> not, not that it's not beautiful, but yeah. when you grow up there, you know, and you spend a lot of your time there, it's just so uh, different than the rest of Stark the landscape. Contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Such <laughs> yeah contrast to everything else and there's uh, we've uh we've lived up in this area now for what like 20 years and um even coming from kind of the center part of the state and I had my grandparents were up here and so we were up in northeast Iowa a lot as a kid but uh, we discover new things all the time and uh, little niche things that we hadn't seen before and different views and vistas and it's yeah it's it's pretty incredible we're pretty lucky yeah yeah it's it's fantastic. I, I love it up there. And there's a, there's a good, there's a good chunk of Northeast Iowa. That's like that too. It's not just like a couple little towns. It's, a, it's, yeah. I don't know, a couple, a couple hour radius roughly up there. Yep. That's oh, yeah. that there's a lot to, of, to fishing and hunting and hiking and camping and everything. Well, once uh, you feel like you get to know Iowa pretty well, then you realize, well, there's a border you can go across it. And, and Minnesota's pretty is pretty awesome too yeah. there's phenomenal yeah. streams and then of course wisconsin i mean yeah. it's and and there's just tons of streams over there and things to do and little breweries and restaurants and different things like that it's, yeah it's pretty awesome yeah absolutely do you uh besides iowa do you have a favorite place too and if you don't want to like share too much i realize when i ask these questions sometimes i don't want to overshare people's favorite spots necessarily but is there somewhere you love to guide or love to fish in particular outside uh, of we, iowa? yeah we've we've spent a lot more time in south uh south eastern minnesota in the last couple of years um there's just there's a lot of streams to uh, a lot of streams to explore up there. A lot of they've got some wonderful parks. Wisconsin does too. Their state park system in both of those states are just incredible. Um, so we've uh, yeah we've we've kind of made it a point, especially now with two younger kids that you know like a six hour trip is a little bit more out of the question now. I mean we we make some trips up to like um, what Forestville Mystery Cave and we go over to Black River Falls, Black River uh, State Forest over in Wisconsin and. Uh, just exploring some of the little county parks around Viroqua in that area. And oh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's not enough time. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. True, so definitely not enough time. Yeah. 
and at for driftless on the fly so how many guides are how how many of you are there right now yeah so jared jared uh is my co-owner and he's uh, he currently guides for uh, hayward fly fishing company up in uh in hayward um uh, so he's uh, for the for the summer right now he's that's that's what he's doing and um, so it's me and it's clint johnson he's um kind of the cedar rapids area and he'll come up and guide and then and then my wife so we try to kind of balance trips and and lessons and things like that clint does clint does a lot of lessons we have a great number of people that have hit him up for lessons and he's he's really good about that he's really good at it uh down yeah. in that cedar rapids area so Yep, yeah. we're trying to do our best kind of balancing these out. There's a lot of emails that come in and we've got to kind of balance time out and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, for right now. And so when Jared transitions back, he may guide a little bit here and there. But um, um, he, I know he still loves the clients that he's had here and a lot of people that keep coming back and asking for trips with him. So cool. I, I started smiling real big, big because when you talked about Clint and his lessons, I immediately was thinking about and I'm really glad I didn't like get in my head about it at all. Cause when we were practicing casting yeah, the whole, <laughs> the whole time, he's being as nice as he can be. I just wasn't, <laughs> I, when I first picked the rod up, I, I wasn't, I, I feel like once I got to the water, I was doing significantly better, yeah. uh, but he just kept going, stop, 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 <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> and, um, and the reason I know I improved and I'm not just saying that is because the first day myself and two of the ladies went with Clint and, uh, you know, by the end of kind of our time together, the last like hour or two, he kind of like had let me be for a while, but he was watching me from where he was and he would yell stuff down at me from, you know, helping the other ladies or watching them. And he was kind of egging me on, uh, you know, he's like, I'll get kind of cocky down there now kind of thing. So I know, I know <laughs> I improved right? because uh, <laughs> he wasn't worried about me anymore. But the first like couple minutes, he, he was like <laughs> almost terrified yeah. of what it was going to be like. <laughs> so anyone, you know, people pick up a rod for the first time, you, you, you tend to see their personality a little bit like, um, you know, somebody that's going to be kind of aggressive, like with, with that rod and you feel like they'll pick up on, you know, that you can see some of that coordination and stuff. And then other people we've got to kind of develop and, and work with a little bit more. Um, so that's, that's, that's funny. He had, he had come back that first night and he said, yeah, Steph's, Steph's got it. She's got it. So oh, like, good. Oh, that's good to hear. Cause, cause I felt like that, like I, I could tell he had confidence in me as we, because yeah. he was kind of just letting me do my thing. And he had, he had pretty much stopped the form side. Like, you know, he wasn't talking about that. He was just kind of watching me, but I was nervous for myself and him in the beginning because I just was out of practice and he was, and I, I think he could tell he could, you know, just be straight with me, you know? Yeah. Cause, so, cause, cause it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> like I was laughing and I shouldn't, but I, I was trying to listen, but I kept laughing because he was like, stop, 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 stop. Like, oh my God, what is she doing? So I appreciated him just being, um, he was awesome. Like it was yeah. in the best, yeah. it was in the best way. Uh, but I, 
I was, I felt kind of bad for him for a second because I think he was thinking, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a hook was going to end up in somebody's eye or something like yeah. that. Well, I couldn't, I, I just, he was, he was really, I, and I was asking for this feedback, uh, yeah. which, you know, I was asking for, you know, when you bring uh, your rod back and then forward again, I, I was bringing my, like going forward too, too far, you mm -hmm. know, and I just couldn't, and I, I would say to him, okay, so like, so I would say it back to him, like, okay, I need to do it like this. He'd be like, yes. And I would do it completely wrong every single time. And I couldn't get the muscle memory, yeah. you know, at first. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something about, there was something about actually having the fly and on the water and watching the water that just helped me I think yeah. get out of my head probably I would assume yep. that's probably what it was um yeah and it was cool yeah I was kind of wondering when you were saying that if it wasn't yeah if yeah. it wasn't like the rod stops that he was trying to make or something like that too but yeah, yeah no and it, yeah and and again that is a total credit to him because I was asking him I know I'm not stopping mm -hmm. Right. Like I can't, it's almost like I just couldn't, it just wasn't a familiar feeling for me. No. So I just couldn't quite grasp it at first, but it, it went really well after that. No. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a totally different thing. You know, if you haven't been fly fishing for a while, if you've been spin fishing, you felt that weight at the end of the line, you know, you're trying to throw a lure or a worm or whatever you happen to be throwing out there. And then all of a sudden you go back and you've got this nine foot long instrument that's intended to throw line and you're trying to feel a little bit more of the weight of that line and utilize that to your advantage and so we end up with a lot of people that are trying to like really chuck you know really chuck that line yeah. it's just yes. you know it's it's a pattern of human behavior in your in your muscle memory that we've got to try to break a little bit and um so yeah no, you guys were great and everybody picked up and it's it's kind of that that student thing again it's like uh do you have people that want to learn so yeah yeah guys so yeah thank you i uh i won't you know if it doesn't go well i won't say that you taught me bad habits but That's if good. i am about to because you did you didn't uh <laughs> we so for my for my for my full-time job with outdoor mentors we are taking uh, myself and a couple a couple others are going to be taking some kids trout fishing in the decorah area um yeah. coming up and we, this is going to be our first Iowa fishing event uh, through my company because we usually do hunting, but we want to open it up to fishing. And we're going to just, we weren't going to do like any fly rods or anything, but I do think that I might, I, I have a very wonderful man who is donating uh, a bunch of rods to me because he knows I want to continue to teach kids fishing too. And <clears throat> we have a couple of fly rods. And I'll probably get a couple more, but I think I'm going to bring some and Good. just kind of go over the basics with the kids. I, the other two that are helping me can, can help with that too. They're, they're probably more experienced than I am with fly fishing, <clears throat> but we are going to do an intro for some kids. So, um, I will be helping teach the fly fishing part. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and it will be in your area. So I'll make sure to tell, tell these kids and these parents about you guys as well. It's yeah. just, Part of our nonprofit program that we're doing. Yeah. So um, last Saturday, I, I did a I did an intro class for a, um, for a continuing ed for a local community college up here, and we went to a pond right away. <laughs> and sometimes with people that are brand new to it, um, that's that's a good way to start. We feel pretty good about that because 
you're one, you've got all the back cat or all the space in the world that you can yeah. back cast and not feel bad about things and hooking trees and all that kind of stuff. But um, everybody caught all these wonderful little like eight inch bluegill. And it was awesome because you get that feeling of a fish on a fly rod. And it's kind of yeah. like uh, that feeling that like doesn't leave your hands no matter what. Like I always yeah. feel like, ah, that's so cool. That feeling. And yes. um, so it went really well, but yeah, that's, that's great. Those kids will feel like a million bucks that you're going to do that. And then they'll go back home and they'll brag. Like I went fly fishing. So yeah. <laughs> yes. We're going to do it as kind of a, cause I'm hoping, especially in Northeast Iowa, we have a lot of, you know, we focus on shooting sport athletes, like youth that do shooting sports yep. and introducing them. And <clears throat> cause they, the idea is they uh, have hunters at, at, you know, hunters at already and they're getting exposed to the outdoors. So it's the next step kind of thing. Uh, so hopefully we'll get them, you know, the fishing license, all of that stuff and just make an outdoorsman out of them, at, you know, as a whole, but yep with them being up there, I think it would just be so cool. Like I, you know, it's not gonna, uh, probably create hundreds of anglers overnight by any means, but with all those awesome fishing opportunities up there, and there's so many kids and so many programs up there, you know, I don't know if some of these young folks know what they have, like in their backyard. Um, and so hopefully we can kind of open their eyes to that. I'm sure they know it's beautiful, but I don't know if they know what kind of fishing opportunity there is there. So Hopefully that goes well. At the very least, you're going to create some advocates for, you know, for wild areas. And they're going to, you know, they're going to love the fact that they're out on the water and that you took them and they won't forget it. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, Something I wanted to ask, and if you want to talk on this. uh, So we went fishing a little after you guys left, like after our time together. Yep. And we kept one trout to eat. We were like, we're like, we're going to keep one, make it. We kind of had a smorgasbord of food that we cooked and everything. And we were talking to you guys about guiding, keeping trout. And I have been told this multiple times. Actually, every time I've been with a guide or someone who guides uh, fly fishing at all, they, they don't keep their fish typically, mm-hmm. um, specifically trout. And yep. could you like elaborate on that? Like why, why people do that? Um, kind of maybe some of the ethics behind that and the thought process behind that? Yeah, um, we, we made a, a decision a long time ago that we were just going to be a catch and release. Um, I, I think one one part of it is just making sure that, that, you know, that there's opportunities for the next anglers to come through there and that those fish will be there. Um, I, do, I do get, and I used to, you know, keep fish. Um, I don't really like the taste of trout, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm more of like okay. a fish person like um and I we used to eat them and my my grandfather I can remember he'd be like why do you throw these things back you know I think that was a little bit of a generational thing too um so I catch them for him every once in a while um I think too is is kind of like as a company the idea behind us going out and harvesting all the time would not the optics on that wouldn't be great um just coming in all the time with with fish 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 and just taking those out it's kind of like uh i don't know i i I don't i don't think that that would look the best but i've got i've personally i don't i mean i don't have any problem with anybody doing it um it's just a decision that we had to make as a company at the time and and, um it's that's gone pretty well so yeah and definitely not the only time i've heard that or seen that the very first time i think i shared this I, i shared this with you or clinch or maybe both of you the very first time I went fly fishing, uh, 
with a friend of mine, a guide. Uh, she's based out of uh, Pennsylvania, Montana, but we went fly fishing in Ohio. She mm-hmm. was she was pretty adamant about you know these are my coworkers. Like it doesn't matter where yeah. I go, where yeah. I'm fishing from. Uh, you know, she travels all over the place and she's like, I, I don't, I don't keep them. I think there's probably exceptions to that from time to time. But, uh, I remember her saying that I had never at the time heard of that, uh, you know, and she explained it really well. And it, it made, it made sense to me, like with what she does, like she wants to keep it going and be able to keep doing what she does. And she doesn't want to take what she doesn't need to, you know, if, if that's not part of her, part of her deal. So, um, made complete sense. And I actually, I love the taste of trout. The thing that I feel like I don't keep like in the past, like just trout fishing, just regular rod and reel. Um, we didn't keep that many. I never really kept that many in the past either, because no matter what, however you clean them. And I'm sure there's going to be someone on here who tells me this is not true, but like the small little bones that are in trout, Mm -hmm. like no matter how good you clean them, there's going to be usually some of that left behind. Um, I've had, I guess, times where that didn't happen really, but, uh, they're kind of, they're kind of hard to like deal with those small little bones and they annoy, that annoys me. So (laughs) I try not to eat a ton of them either, even though I do like the taste of them. Um, but I'm sure there's someone out there who has like a great technique, great recipe. They're like, Hey, that's not a thing, but I'm probably just not very good at cooking them. Honestly. It, there's there's a yeah there's a couple of pretty surefire techniques out there. it's been a number of years since i've cleaned a trout but uh that, that worked pretty well to get those little bones out back uh, back when we used to keep them like the smoke trout was that was pretty terrific i mean that, that, that was pretty good but yeah that's uh, what i thought about doing if if uh well i have a little i have a little portable traeger that i that i take with me uh mm-hmm. places so like a little pellet grill uh, that plugs into the back of my truck. And, um, actually, you know, I've, especially the last few years, throwing myself into the outdoors even harder than I was before. I have tried some interesting things that I never thought I would eat before. Um, we, I did a trapping event and we had Bobcat on the pellet grill and it was actually phenomenal. Um, I would never, never thought in a million years I would eat Bobcat, but I ended up cooking it for everybody. <clears throat> I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not even gonna, I don't even want to eat this, you know, but I cooked it for everybody else involved and it was actually delicious. Um, and a good use of it, you know, for trapping. Sometimes yeah. people don't think of eating like animals that you would trap mm-hmm. and might have issues with that. But, um, yeah, it's, I have the last few years have really opened my eyes to cooking and I've become a better cook because of wild game as well, but that's a yeah. whole nother podcast. <laughs> um so something else I want to talk about and how I first heard of you long time ago probably near the beginning of Driftless on the Fly I would think maybe I mean this had to have been this had to have been six years ago I think uh my very first podcast I ever listened to was called Dirtbag Dirtbag Diaries and I used to be in a sales position where I would just have super long drives across the state of Iowa and I would just binge this podcast. And there was an episode called about flyathon and I'm not a runner at all, but I was like super interested because I saw Iowa mentioned in there. I'm like, I don't know what, you know, what this is. And 
listening to this podcast, they were talking about uh, Flyathon. They talked about Driftless on there. They were talking about this event that happens in Iowa and Colorado. And I listened to the whole thing. And I, since then, had met, I've met a dozen people who participate in it or have done it before. And then may, met you and made that connection and realized how it's all, how it all like intertwines. So could you talk about Flyathon and what it is and your part in it and all, whatever you want to share about it too? Yeah, that was such a fabulous episode. I'm a Dirtbag Diaries listener too. And that was such a well put together episode. Like she did a great job of editing that, interviewing people. And um, so all the kudos to, I think it was Cordelia Zars put that one together. It was pretty cool. Yeah, so the Flyathlon is, uh, is an event that actually started out in Colorado a um, long time ago. And it, um, I think seven, eight, nine years ago, something like that. Um, now what it is, is it's a trail race uh, that involves uh, fly fishing and craft beer. And uh, so it's kind of the intersection of those, those, three, those three things. And the basic idea behind it is that um, somewhere along the race route, you've got to try to catch a fish. And for every inch of fish, you take two minutes off your time, um, which is really just kind of a novel and brilliant little idea. So we provide contestants with, um, uh, now we've moved to uh, like a measuring stick that's got a carabiner on it. And so uh, that's part of the challenge. You got to try to get your fish and then take a picture of that. And then uh, you'll bring that back to the, to the finish line. And then uh, our fish judges will take a look at that and they'll, they'll, on the spreadsheet, they'll take that time off of your, your entire time. Uh, the flyathlon is also a conservation fundraiser. Um, we, we, uh, incentivize through all of our sponsors, we incentivize our, uh, participants to raise funds for cold water conservation projects in Iowa. So they've done this out in Colorado for a lot of years. They have a lot of projects that they've done. We fundraised projects um, for, uh, I think, five or six different, I think we're coming up on our six different project right now. Um, all of this is under a nonprofit called Running Rivers, um, which I serve on the board uh, for out, out of Colorado. Um, but yeah, we incentivize our, our participants to help raise money for these different projects. Um, the biggest one we just uh, finished up with, or they just finished up with, um, it was one that went in with a, a number of different conservation groups on Little Paint right there and uh, that you guys camped on right there in Yellow River State Forest. So it was a water quality uh, project where they went in and they, they redid almost a third of a mile of stream bank. Um, we've helped out with that one. Uh, uh, we worked on uh, new gravel on, on some of the trails there in Yellow River. Uh, we've done, um, we put some money toward uh, more public easement on Bloody Run. Um, so there's been, there's been about five or six of them now. I think altogether, uh, we've raised a little over $51,000 in the last uh, six years. Uh, combined with grants, we've had kind of a monetary power of about 100 and I think $160,000 worth. Um, the, the thing that's really neat about this event, we've, we've, we bring in now, we, we cap the registration at 75 people. And so it's kind of a, we encourage people to come and it takes place at Yellow River State Forest every year. We have people come from eight different states now. And uh, we encourage them to come and camp is kind of at our group camp there. 
Um, we have the races on Saturday. We do like a little fire the night before and a little fire the night afterwards. And we have a barbecue meal. Um, it's just an unbelievably amazing group of people just out of this world. Like I have, because of this event, I've got some friends that, um, that I've made that I would have otherwise I'd, I'd never known. They come from all walks of life. Um, it's just an amazing group of advocates now for our cold water fisheries and our streams here in Iowa. And all the money that we raise stays right here in Iowa. I mean, it's just in and out the door through to, you know, to some of these projects that, uh, that, that otherwise probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't get that kind of financial support. Um, 30 sponsors or so. Um, these sponsors range from national sponsors like Sims and Fish Pond. Uh, and then we do some local sponsors like Grizzly Coolers and um, Root River Hackle up and up near Preston, Minnesota. And uh, I mean, local realtors. And um, so it's, it's got this really awesome, uh, just this tremendous vibe to it. And uh, it's a good group of people. And uh, it, it's a good event with a good outcome. And um, people at River, Yellow River State Forest have been incredibly supportive of it. Um, we've also partnered with some of the offshoots of this have been um, Big Grove Brewery down in Iowa City has has brewed a beer for us for the last three years called Wade Wisely. It's kind of a pun on it's a it's a coffee oatmeal stout or oatmeal coffee stout. And the idea behind it is Wade Wisely is supposed to be like, it's a little pun on um, when you're walking through the streams in the fall to wade wisely around these reds this is where trout spawn and so you're supposed to wade wisely around there but that's been an incredibly successful uh, uh, beer um, that's, that's done well for big grove and then they've always kicked back um, quite a bit of money from the the tap room and the, and the can sales from that and then we also do fly fishing film tour um, down there at big grove too so we've got all these little offshoot projects that we've been a part of and um, Clint, Clint and his wife and Amanda and I and, and uh, Scott uh, Stimmel out of Iowa City and his wife and my brother and his wife are kind of the planning crew for it. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's a labor. It's a labor of love though. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's amazing. And now I remember why I remember listening to that podcast and I, again, I'm not a runner, but I listened to that whole thing. I think I've probably listened to it a couple of times because I really do just love dirtbag diary and the diaries and the way that they um storytell you know yeah. uh i remember listening to it a couple times and i was thinking to myself when i met you so i'm again not a runner but i was thinking i really want to do that but what makes me think that i can do that like why did i think i could do that because i'm also not a drinker either uh, yeah. but i love i like i wanted to be more of a runner at the time but yeah, the more fish you catch, so it takes inches off of, so every inch is a mile, right? Or minute, right? Uh, every Not inch is two minutes off your time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just so you have to do the whole distance, but it's taking it off your time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think yeah, that must really, have been my motivator. Yeah, it's a really unique rule. And we've, we've got the, uh, the other thing that's kind of cool is we have, we have uh, participants that are um, we've had people as young as like 12 do it and all the way up to 60 some do it. Uh, some people, they just want to walk like, um, a couple of the, uh, we've got two gentlemen that do it every single year. And as soon as the starting gun goes off, they just walk <laughs> yeah. just out there just to enjoy that time. You get three hours to try to get this whole thing done. Um, 
which is always really entertaining because I mean there's so many variables there and people strategize like yeah I'm fish first and then run or run and then fish first and then on the other end of the spectrum you've got some some people that are some pretty serious trail runners there too yeah. that come from all all parts and um, um they really uh, are very competitive so that's fun too yeah most of the folks that I've met uh just through different things actually are are runners and so um, you know, fly fishing itself, like fishing, fishing itself, fishing as a whole, uh, was not maybe necessarily something they do all the time. So I thought that was fascinating from that perspective. They're, you know, they're going out there to still fish. They still, they still do that. Uh, but they're pretty much, a they're mostly there for the run. Uh, yeah. but either way, I, I love that. Like bringing all three of those like things together, uh, brings a diverse crowd of people and it's all, for a great mission, you know, whether they're directly related to that or not, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. It's, it's a great community of people. And I, that's one of the goals is just building that community of, you know, of advocates and uh, people that care about, about our streams. How, um, how can people, cause you were saying that it gets, it gets pretty much booked up with 75 spots yep. get filled pretty much right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sold out in 48 hours again this year that's awesome not if you want to try to get in probably now no. but like that's awesome for for the whole yep. for the whole thing yep um do you see it getting bigger or is that kind of like the number that you guys see well well so what we've got is it's kind of an out and back course is what about 2.2 on the way out we don't have an official measurement on it it's kind of like eh, it worked out really well from here to there and um uh so we we tried to make a decision on what's most ethical for fish and fishing and for other people that would be out there maybe on that day because it is in a it, it's in a state forest and so we we came up with the number 75 um and so we just try to cap it at that one i think it kind of builds enthusiasm to try to get out there and to try to yeah. get registered too um but yeah we just kind of you know keep it right at that we're always looking for uh, different sponsors for this event. Um, you know, if there's listeners that are like, yeah, I'd really like to, you know, you know, maybe your company does something that, you know, that, that they'd like to donate or something like that, or, yeah. or even individuals that are out there. We ask all of our participants to help fundraise at different levels. Um, and then we try to incentivize them at different levels then too. Um, but, um, we'll have a, on all of our social media. So on like Instagram and Facebook, it's just driftless flyathlon and it's a bugger to spell, but it's F L Y A T H L O N. Um, and so you have to just put those in and, and, and you'll find those, but people will have their flip cause pages all on there and, and you can go in and you can pick out your favorite fly athlete and donate to their cause or donate. That's to the cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I'll make sure I share uh, details on everything we talked about too in the notes. So okay. listeners or anyone who comes upon this later can you know have a direct link and I'll share it uh, on multiple on multiple platforms too so people can find it. And hopefully if anyone's interested can try to get signed up uh, fast enough too. Do you, you, know, you and I talked about this a little bit when we met. Do you think that you'll expand out to other states in the future? Yeah, um, I I personally won't. Um, <laughs> I can do about one of these per year unless Running Rivers would like to hire me as like full time. But yeah, um, I do love putting them together. Um, 
So they, they do two out in Colorado. They do one uh, called Middle Creek, and then they do uh, one, another one called Lake Fork. Um, there's been one in Utah, I think one year, and it, I don't know if it flew after that. We've had inquiries from people within the state here of putting one on. Um, we've had some people up in Minnesota, um, uh, let's see, Northern California, and I mean, as far out as uh, New Zealand, we had a guy that contacted us and thought, man, that'd be fun. I'd love to go out there as a consultant and help with that. But um, I, I hope people do. Um, we're always willing to sit down. We've got kind of a playbook, either between like um, several of us on the board or, or there is some stuff written down about like how um, we could franchise this out and you know, invite another location to come in. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a significant amount of work putting it together, but it's, the outcomes are, uh, totally worth it. Um, so we're in this stuff that we're really proud of. Yeah. As you should be. I think, no, that's really, I'm really glad you said that, that you kind of have like a playbook for others, because I'm sure there are people either who have heard about this before or are listening now of, Hey, maybe they don't have the capacity to like yeah take this on further because I talk about this all the time like those who are involved with things like this like they seem to be very busy people right like they put their heart and soul into a lot of different things um so there's only so much like time in a day and like so much you can do but to be able to create a how-to for other people to kind of just like spread the love I think is really important so then they can maybe possibly make something like this happen on some scale it's something that we're yeah, it's something that we're still working on, I would say, as, as a Running Rivers organization is putting together that kind of that, that franchise um, booklet or that, you know, that what the playbook basically for putting this together. But it's it's something that we're uh, working toward. Yeah, cool. Now, that's that's awesome. Uh, do you have any. Like, do you have any words of wisdom out there for those newbies out there uh into fly fishing into advocating for like those special outdoor places and like creating that like any direction you want to take that do you have anything like on your heart right now that you want to share or just general advice you mean just like somebody just getting started yeah 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 i i I like a lot of like the big themes that we touched on here find your people you know find find your people that will um regardless of your skill or where you're at they will be you know they'll either go out with you they'll take you out um even if they're a lower skill level then you just get out there and experience and screw up and but stick with it it's it's not something that's magically going to happen overnight you've got to have you got to have some patience and some um, perseverance for this. Um, work on knots, um, work on casting in your backyard. You'll look super cool to your neighbors and it will only make you a better, a better cat. I say that sarcastically, but I mean, like it'll, it'll make you a better caster once you get out on the stream too. And, um, but yeah, just stick with it because that, that muscle memory is important and just the, uh, the perseverance will pay off. It'll pay dividends down the road. Yeah. On that note, are there, and I, I don't, hmm, I'm sure there's like YouTube videos and all this stuff. 
So with knots, not something that I definitely for myself want to keep practicing and just, I know how to do them, but sometimes when people say like a knot out loud, I don't necessarily know what that is at the top of my Mm -hmm. head. There's a couple that I do, but, um, are there certain types of knots that people should really learn or look up? yeah i'll 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 simplify this i mean okay (laughs) probably the biggest one is you know your improved clinch knot is the knot that goes from your tippet to your to your fly um a lot of people say oh i've done this one you know all my life maybe because i've i've been fishing that's that's probably true i'll probably work the other one will be your double surgeon knot or a blood knot double surgeon knot is probably the easier one to uh to to learn and to pick up on on the quickest and that would be your uh, your tippet to your leader and um those are just i mean when we first started there probably was a thousand <laughs> tutorials and now there's probably like twenty thousand tutorials that you yes. can find on, on youtube find somebody <laughs> with some good camera quality and uh you know something that you can slow down and to take a look at but there are there's a million different you know, great diagrams that are out there though, that if you've got the patience for it, sit down and, and work through those things. Yeah, I would say, you know, for me, just with helping with any sort of, I'm very open and honest about when something is not like, I oftentimes will fall into the mentor teaching role with things. Uh, but I'm very honest with people of, you know, if I don't really know something or if I'm not very good at it, you know, I'm not maybe your girl for that. But I do feel like with that, either when I'm out there solo or when I'm helping somebody, the not yep. the not part is the part that always trips me up that I want. You know, I can just I'm saying this for the people that might be new and listening and taking your advice from someone yeah. who is kind of newer, uh, just echoing what you're saying of that's what trips me up more than anything else, because the rest of it, I can kind of learn as I go, you know, just like noticing, okay, that cast wasn't very good. I can fix that. Like I start to pick up on my own mistakes, you know, oh, that fly is not working. Okay. Just like observe the, observe the area around me, try something else. But if I don't know my knots, none of that is really going to come together at all. Yeah. 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 If you're watching a show at night or something like that, you got a couple of pieces of mono or some pieces of tippet or something like that laying around, like just practicing those and becoming more proficient at it is well worth your time. And it's going to pay off once you go, once you head out to the stream, because you're not always going to get like your living room conditions, right? It's yeah. not going to be uh, 71 degrees and no wind. You're going to have, you know, both are going to be hotter or colder and there's going to be wind or something like that. So just that yeah. muscle memory of practicing those is, is well worth it. Yeah. It's an investment. Ma- makes total, makes total sense to me because you just, you saying that was an instant light bulb of, yeah, that's the area that I would feel the most. Yeah. Um, I'd either be questioning myself or it's something I'd want to be able to do fast, you know, without right. having to get my phone out and YouTube it and look it out, look it up in the moment, because I want to, go after some fish or help someone else go after some fish. So yeah, that makes complete sense to me. And hopefully you're in a place that doesn't have cell phone service anyways. Right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> well, actually every place I've ever been fly fishing, I don't have yeah. cell phone service at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We love it that way. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, definitely. Are you, uh, you know, I meant to mention this earlier in the podcast, but I just want to mention it here as we kind of wrap stuff up too. uh, so all the major flooding in Yellowstone and yeah. everything. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm just kind of getting caught up in like, what's going on with that. I was looking at that today and a little bit last night. Uh, that's terrifying and heart and heartbreaking yeah. and what the, what's going on there. And it seemed like it's, it was kind of unexpected, right? Like it wasn't something that, I mean, doesn't seem well planned for, I don't know, but I'm, I'm really hoping, um, everyone's okay out there and, you know, I, I have only fly fish a few places, but that's where I have fly fish before. And yeah. it's a beautiful, wonderful place. And there's a lot of reasons besides fishing that this is like really super sad. Um, yeah. But do you have like friends out there? Are people are okay? Is everybody okay? Well, uh, Jared, Jared had guided out there for uh, five years, something like that out of West Yellowstone. And so um, I know he has plenty of contacts that are, that are out there. Um, we just went out to Missoula and uh, through that whole area last year, we we visited him a lot, of course, when, when he was out there. And ironically, my brother and sister-in-law are out there right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, and so they they had flown into Missoula and they did Glacier Park and, and different things like that. And they kind of avoided that Yellowstone area, but you know, he brought along his fly rod and stuff and um, for nothing, but yeah. Um, it's unbelievable what's what's happening out there and uh, feel terrible for the people in their homes and their livelihood and everything that's going on so yeah um you know it's when those things settle down even when we have floods in iowa we're always lucky that uh you know trout usually will they'll find their way back and they'll you know that you know after after time um takes its toll on the environment and stuff like that they'll they'll find their way back but people's homes and businesses and, and things like that I mean, that's uh, that's just absolutely terrible those things won't find their way back in a lot of ways yeah yeah that's absolutely like heartbreaking just gosh again for the people for the landscape for employees for uh like all of the wildlife out there for so many different reasons it's like absolutely heartbreaking and Yellowstone for me not in that whole area is definitely a place that like over the last few years I've gone once a year for the last few years oh. uh, and it's you know it's not necessarily home but it kind of feels like my home away from home and like I want it to continue to be somewhere I can yeah. I can be um, so I was wondering if you had connect, like just, it is such a great fly fishing area. I didn't know if you had any connection to that or, um, but hopefully uh, if you're listening, you can look and see, it should be pretty much in your face. If you see any sort of news, like you should know what's going on, but uh, just check that out and see, and, and see what's going on. And hopefully if there's ways that people can help, yep. you know, look for that kind of thing. But uh, I really appreciate your time so much. Like I could have picked your brain for probably hours on just fly fishing and hope to continue to learn from you and connect with you and, uh, you know, maybe be your uh, rower someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I told a couple people that I put myself out there as potentially helping row some of you guys while you fish and they're like you're crazy I'm like I I mean where else am I going to get this kind of experience you know if it's what I want to do right. but you know the people who have been listening to the podcast a while know exactly what I'm talking about uh yeah. but just really grateful for you so thank you so much for everything 
That sounds good. Yeah. Rowing. Yeah. Uh, our flow trips is something we didn't really talk about too much. Yeah, we didn't. I know. <laughs> You and I had connected a little bit on that on the on the trip, and um, yeah, we've started doing some float trips on some rivers around here. And so, anytime, Steph, somebody says, "Yeah, I could row for you," I'm like, "All right, that sounds great." Because if I take a float trip, I'm not fishing; I'm rowing. <laughs> well, I told I told people when I I brought it up to you because you were helping retie uh, my line because you had like line like in your mouth. And you like had this like smile on your face, and I'm like, oh, he thinks I'm a weirdo. <laughs> like I thought, I thought for sure you thought, what the heck is this girl talking about? And then I find out you're thinking, no one has ever offered to row us yeah. instead of fishing. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rare in Iowa to find somebody else that uh, even knows what a drift boat is. I mean, when we have to go in and register our boats at at the courthouse here, it's like. All right, what is it? <laughs> what, yeah. what is it about? So yeah. yeah, the only people who ever think that store those stories are cool, I probably are uh, my Iowa friends that have you know been on one, which is not very many. You know, right. there's not there's not very many people who ever know what I'm talking about when I talk about a ra raft or a drift boat. Like they really don't have, um, like can't conceptualize it because they've never yeah. done it before. Um, but when I had talked to like my Western my western friends they think that's awesome you know so yeah. i yeah most people out here think i'm crazy and don't have any idea what i'm talking about they just don't know yet yeah <laughs> yeah but that's a cool experience and uh if you haven't listened to the podcast to this point anyone out there i have a couple different episodes where i talk about my time out west and being on a drift boat it's kind of it gets kind of put into some conversations a little bit but I I actually one of my I guess like chinks in the armor like areas that I want to really improve on as a woodsman and outdoorsman and that's kind of the theme a lot of this podcast is just becoming like a better like advocate for the outdoors or just becoming more well-rounded being able to understand perspectives in each other like that's what this podcast is about and something that I am totally driven by is reading water and like understanding it and that's something that you and Clint again did a great job of teaching but also letting us figure out on our own and kind of reconfirming that we were figuring it out so that was that was really cool um and just paying attention to that stuff and being intentional about it uh mm -hmm. and a lot of that goes into fishing and rowing you know and I just I love that I think that is I think that's really neat um, and I just really appreciate what you do both from, uh, like your outside of the fishing world, like from a teaching and working with youth to being a guide and to helping, you know, wild places and using a biathlon to do that. I think that's really awesome. So thank, thank you, you for doing all of that. And, yeah. uh, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. This is, this is a great way to, uh, like, I think we've mentioned quite a few times, just build advocates and build uh, build our community of, of people that care about these wild places and um yeah it's it's a it's a great thing that you're doing here too so yeah. thank you thank you i appreciate yeah. that thank you so much for being here guys i appreciate you i appreciate you so much love 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 reach out i invite you to reach out leave a review make requests and until next time, get out there. <laughs>